we are an incredibly creative nation. And on every street corner, you will see somebody selling something that they've made. You know, you'll come across absolutely stunningly gorgeous product using various raw materials, everything from wire to beadwork to traditional skills like crochet and and knitting, um, basketry. And I'm absolutely, absolutely, totally in awe of the talent that we have. Welcome to Better Business Founder, the podcast for purpose-driven business founders seeking to build a meaningful business on their own terms. I'm Liki Tank, and I'm here with you today to find out how better business founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Are you ready to create change with your business? If so, let's go. Today, I'd like to take you on a trip to discover the beauty of the wilderness and the vibrancy of the culture of South Africa. My conversation in this episode is with Daniela, who has joined us from Cape Town on the southwest coast of South Africa. Daniela is the founder of Walk the Talk Africa, a creative studio that designs and makes beautifully handcrafted slippers using fabric remnants and offcuts. I first found out about Walk the Talk Africa because I was looking for slippers on Instagram and I was so caught up by the aesthetic and the story behind these unique slippers that I decided to contact Daniela to share her journey on Better Business Founder podcasts. Even though Daniela is from a family of shoemakers that migrated from Italy to South Africa in 1954, she will explain how she somehow stumbled upon shoes when after 20 years in the same company, she decided to make a dramatic change so she can explore her creativity and values in her own business. Yes, Walk the Talk Africa is a business based on values. Danielle will share with us how her childhood in wild spaces surrounded by stunningly beautiful nature shaped her worldview, her simple lifestyle, and a profound love for Africa. As you might have guessed, environmental sustainability is one of the building blocks of Walk the Talk Africa. The other one is social sustainability, as her business was built on the strong belief that creativity can drive employment in South Africa. And Daniela will tell us all about it in this episode. Once again, I really enjoyed this conversation and I also learned a lot. And I hope that you will too. So grab a nice cup of tea and enjoy my conversation with Daniela. Daniela, where are you joining us from today? Thank you very much for having me. I'm actually based in South Africa. South Africa. Wow. Which city in South Africa? Cape Town. Cape Town. Beautiful, beautiful coastal city sort of based on the peninsula. It's a beautiful, magnificent city. We have absolutely everything here from gorgeous mountains to spectacular landscapes, the sea, um, lovely forests. It really is a beautiful city to live in. Were you born there? I actually was born in um, in Johannesburg, which is also known as Gauteng. It's 
probably about 2,000 k's from here. And mm -hmm. I moved down to Cape Town just after finishing school. I moved here for its beauty and um, the slower lifestyle, which was happening back then, but Cape Town's definitely caught up to the fast pace of Johannesburg, which is a sort of economic hub of South Africa. And has your family always lived in South Africa? Well, um, my father's side of my family actually were born in Italy. And I have a whole family still living in Italy. My father did immigrate here. So I was born here, but he was born in, in Italy. And can I ask you, do you know why he moved? He decided to migrate to South Africa. Um, at the time, there was a lot of a lot of people from Europe. I think specifically Italy and Portugal. Um, South Africa seemed to sort of put out a call for skilled artisans to come to the country. You know, offering them sort of growing opportunities, specifically in shoemaking and in the textile trade. So my father came together with his cousin. His cousin was a tailor and he was a shoemaker. And he came here around about 1954. And for many years he made shoes here and eventually had to stop in the 1970s when preference for mass-produced products, shoes and clothing, sort of was the flavor of the day. You know, see, so he was a fine shoemaker but had to actually give that up because nobody wanted handmade, custom-made, beautiful Italian shoes. <laughs> It's just the way things worked out at the time. You are the founder of a brand which is called Walk the Talk Africa, and you are also a shoemaker. Yes, a shoemaker, a learning shoemaker. I... I actually stumbled into shoes really in a sense that when I embarked on my entrepreneurial journey, I, um, I tested a range of products in a couple of stores down here over one summer season. And that range included um, many different products, um, specifically homeware products, but also also slippers, which sort of happened in a way as a last-minute thought. Um, you know, I've been prototyping and making up my range of samples to send off for production, and I looked down at my, my winter slippers, and I thought, I should really try my hand at making slippers. So I sort of made a pattern from foil paper, which is a sort of quite an interesting way of getting an accurate shape of your foot. <laughs> and I sewed together a sample of a pair of summer slippers. Uh, they were all fabric. And so I then sent those off to be produced because I liked the way they looked and I liked the way they, they fitted me and I just enjoyed them and they were made for my feet and, you know, testing which products would sell and which would be successful and what I should base my business on was that the slippers outsold everything else and, I couldn't really keep up with production because, quite honestly, I hadn't really thought about production at that point, as strange as it may sound. Um, and it was at that point, the end of the summer, that I then decided to focus on, on footwear 
um, having had no sort of direct or sort of personal experience other than watching my father when I was very young in making shoes. So, you know, that's that's why I say I, I really did sort of stumble into shoes and, you know, along the way it was sort of wonderful to to actually um, to actually realise that, you know, I picked up on a tradition that had laid dormant in my family for about 40 years. I've spent the better part of lockdown um, refining refining my skills, everything from, you know, making patterns, tweaking patterns, making shoes, focus on really accurate sewing, you know, you have to really sew very accurately when, when you're working with shoes. I mean, even millimetres, of two or three millimetres make a big difference in a pair of shoes. So I have really used the time where business as such really did fall flat for everyone, but use that time to slow down, stop, and and really upskill myself and and learn every aspect of my trade, which has been incredibly valuable in not only knowing knowing what I'm doing, but understanding the process and setting a mark of quality and and you know it's also valuable knowing the process from beginning to end so that when you hand over production to somebody else, to other shoe local artisans to make, you also have realistic expectations of the time it will take them, the amount of money you'll pay them. So it's been incredible. You know, I can I can only say that, yes, this pandemic has been quite devastating in terms of generating money, but incredibly valuable in terms of the time it offered me to do what I've done but hopefully we've turned that corner now and things feel you know that it's getting better and market is opening up and tourism is opening up and so yeah I'm a fledgling shoemaker my dad in fact passed away before I I started this business which is a huge pity so it would have been incredible to to work with him, to rope him in, to actually work together, to revive the art that, you know, that he had he had to give up when he was, you know, in, in, in around about 1970. But I do have many of his tools. I, I kept them for, for sentimental sake and because they were beautiful. His hammers and his scissors, which I still use. His scissors cuts like no other scissors I've ever had. And they're just beautiful, you know. They carry the the energy of him and my grandfather before him, who was also a shoemaker. So it's an incredible process, you know. There's certain things about shoemaking that I just seem to know, probably because I used to sit on my father's workbench and chat to him while he worked his magic. And there's other things that many, many things that I've just had to learn, you know, through trial and error, through through fiddling, through tweaking, through playing with patterns, through drawing new lines, through um, curves. So I am a fledgling shoemaker, I'm proud to say. (laughs) I believe that when you were a child, you spent a lot of time playing in your father's workshop atelier uh, or even your grandfather's atelier. 
what were in your mind, what kind of game were you playing at that time? As a child, what kind of stories about the future you're telling yourself? What kind of ideal dream you want to build for yourself? I grew up in sort of, you know, in in wild spaces surrounded by beautiful nature. Um, I'd pop into my father's workshop, you know, every now and again to, you know, check up on him and have a little chat. But then I'd run out back into the big open felt and explore what there was to be found. And I, I, I sort of lived very much in tune with nature. And I think what sort of evolved out of that is is an enormous reverence for nature. Um, and that sort of evolved into um, living sustainably, which in fact I have always lived sustainably, even before it was fashionable, because it just makes sense. It, it is the way we should live. You know, I'm not sort of a throw-out person. I, I, I really don't like things that are made to to break so that you have to buy a new one. That is just not me, never has been. And so integrated with, you know, my love of nature, my reverence of nature, respect for the environment. I don't see resources, um, the earth's resources as ongoing, never ending. It doesn't make sense to me the way the earth is plundered. Um, we have to be more mindful. So, um yeah, you know, nature, sustainability, mindfulness around self in relation to others, self in relation to nature, um, and self in relation to the divine as well. And I have two children who are sort of entering into adulthood, and I think I've instilled in them the need to be mindful going forward. And, you know, as the saying goes, uh, I don't know who said it, one of the wise sages of ancient past said something to the effect of um, make sure that you do plant that almond tree so that your children will sit, your grandchildren and your children will sit under its shade and eat of its fruit. That's beautiful. It really is. Um, I live my values and I have integrated those values into Walk the Talk Africa, which is very rooted and based around sustainability in, in its very broadest sense because it just makes sense. It kind of, to me, is part of keeping things simple, which is another aspect to life that I try to live by. It's not always so easy and it's not always achievable, but, you know, keep things keep things simple. Don't, it doesn't have to complicate things and you know, the simplicity of sustainability in my business is that I've got unbelievable ongoing access to the most stunningly gorgeous, beautiful, high-end, very good quality fabrics that I get from fabric houses, from fashion houses that I collaborate with and they've grown to know me and like the brand and they keep their offcuts for me. And in that sense, isn't it just wonderful you know it's it's amazing to be able to use what would otherwise be thrown out you know it's sort of sitting landfill and and yet I need small pieces to create beautiful shoes one of a kind unique pieces you know yeah it, it's a it's a lovely feeling to you know to to sort of have lived my life sustainably and 
stumbled into shoes the way that I did, developed the idea of, you know, using remnants and offcuts. Um, a couple of years ago, I started to think about that and develop it and look around and see what there was available and test how it would work out. And um, it's a part of me and, you know, being very proud to be a part of the slow fashion industry, um, which, as I always have, I've always, you know, favoured quality over quantity, handmade over mass-produced. I like unique products. You know, you look at something, anything that's handmade will speak a story. It will convey energy and uniqueness and the human fingerprint. You know, I always love to say that my shoes are are perfectly imperfect or perfectly, perfectly <laughs> perfect or perfectly imperfect, whichever way it sort of works, because of the human fingerprint. You know, they, they're handmade from beginning to end and you can see that, you can sense it, you know, it's there, that like, speaks that story, you know, like all handmade products. And, and I love that. I love that. I love the expression of people's creativity and imagination and and that beautiful human fingerprint. So you are definitely walking the talk. Yeah. You know, once I sort of decided on, well, it's called stumbled into shoes and then decided that that would be the product that I would focus on, because mm-hmm. ideally I did want a product. I didn't want a whole range of different products. I wanted a mm-hmm. product. And in the process of sort of exploring branding and what that means and how do you grow a brand? How do you start a brand? How do you develop a brand? How does a brand speak a language? What font do you use? What color do you use? What symbols do you use? You know, it was, it was an entire learning curve in itself that I was, that I was mentored through and thinking about a name and then landing on Walk the Talk Africa, which is actually my mentor's suggestion, it was a light bulb yes moment. You know, it was a fantastic moment of, oh, absolutely, that's it. So <laughs> that, that mentorship sort of exchange was, was also wonderful in itself in that the woman that mentored me, she needed mentorship in, you know, merchandising and um, kind of ensuring good stock flow into stores and optimizing sales, which I had loads of experience in. And mm-hmm. I needed guidance and mentoring in building a brand. So we decided she lives in America. I live in Cape Town. And we decided that we'd meet every week and exchange our our, um, our experiences. Sports, our experiences. Mm. Yeah. So that's, you know that's how um, that's how that came about, which is also it's another sustainable and wonderful way of exchanging experiences and knowledge and skills, sort of going back to the bartering kind of concept, which I also love. You know, often pop up markets or you know informal settings where I'm selling, I will often approach people to barter. Oh, I love your I love your range of soaps. Do you want to barter body products for some shoes? And that's really is just for fun. It's just something yeah. that I really enjoy doing. And um, 
walking the talk every step of the way, which obviously that sort of encompasses my love for creativity, my dedication to locally made, the huge potential we have in the creativity that South Africans have. That I believe this is the second part of your name, which is Walk to Talk Africa. And uh, you mentioned that creativity can drive employment in South Africa. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that part. Well, you know, we are an incredibly creative nation. I drive around in my car all the time and on every street corner you will see somebody selling something that they've made. You know, you'll come across absolutely stunningly gorgeous product using various raw materials, everything from wire to beadwork to traditional skills like crochet and and knitting, um, basketry and I'm absolutely, absolutely, totally in awe of the talent that we have through the passing down of traditional skill, as is the case world over. Our nation is very rich in that. And together with absolute sheer necessity, where people will find raw materials on the streets, they'll use tires to create pot plants, to create tables, to create chairs. I'm so inspired and driven by, I know, I just know that we are incredibly gifted. There's an abundance of skill. There's an abundance of passion. And at the same time, the flip side of the coin, there is an overwhelming abundance of unemployment and poverty. Um, But there's definitely growing recognition that creativity is one of the answers to generating employment. And leadership is starting to put their weight behind that, put money into the development of this local talent. And it is growing. It's It's very new, but it's a growing, strong trend. And I just want to be a part of it. You know, I want to be a part of that process. And ever since 2010, the World Cup, where we would never have believed that we could pull off such an absolutely awesome event of that magnitude. Um, But since then, I'm just so inspired by our potential. And I love Africa. I, I, I love Africa. I mean, it's frustrating to live here. It is. Um, you know, one day the lights will be on and the next day the lights will be off and there's all sorts of things. But I I think if leadership is able to drive what we have with this potential, it's untapped, it's ready. People People are amazing and very willing to work and learn and grow and it would make me so happy to, you know, if in my lifetime I see that dream realize that Africa is wow it's a wild place it really really is there are many wild places on earth you know but I mean I was born here and I love it and that's why for me it's super wild when I you know first started branding and then sort of looking at production which is quite challenging 
um, because our shoemaking industry, you know, it, it, it was it really crashed after mass mass cheap imports flooded the country. I came into contact with a man who had successfully run three shoemaking businesses in South Africa, in Cape Town actually. And he agreed to meet with me and help me along the way in whichever way he can. And, you know, so presented myself to him and my sample of my shoes and this is what I want to do. And he said to me, Daniela, I can just, the only thing I can advise you is to import what you want. I remember looking at him and saying, you know what, that is simply not the point. And he said, you, you're going to have a really hard time. He said, there's hardly any shoemaking facilities here, which is true. Many of the the shoe, the traditional shoemakers have gone, either they've gone back to, you know, where they were born into sort of other parts of the country, or they're few and far between. And, you know, access to raw materials is quite challenging because you're not set up for that. There were, there was, there was a whole lot of good reason why he said what he said, but my very core value of loving local and knowing absolutely 100% with every single cell of my being, that imports were definitely not where I wanted to place myself. And in fact, imports, in my opinion, well, you know what, yes, great, whatever. But actually, you've got to be careful about allowing too much import into any country where it kills the local production and you know the knowledge the skills yeah exactly you lose the skills you lose you know those jobs are all lost and you sort of sink into this unemployment crisis and, uh, and dependency yeah, as well the app completely yeah. absolutely so you know i remember yeah looking at him and said thank you you know i appreciate it but you know what it's not the point <laughs> i love local <laughs> and i'm going to follow that road I did, you know, I certainly experienced the challenges that he forewarned me of. Um, but, you know, with each, I mean, the answer to a problem is a solution, really. And that's what you've got to do. You've just got to go, problem, okay, how are you going to solve that? What's the solution? Where? What's the alternative? What's, is there another way? And, you know, along the way, um, yeah, it's, it's worked out. <laughs> You seem to have a crystal clear vision of what you wanted to create. I'm not talking about the product itself, but how you how you wanted your business to impact the environment and the world you're living in. I understand that you were not you that you started your business a few years ago, and so that means that there was uh, th there was this point in your life that you decided I'm going to start a business. Yes, is that Yeah. Okay. Were you working corporate before? No, I was actually, I was working for a local manufacturing company doing um, metal castings. And she she started the business. I met her. Um, I was full of creative ideas. I've, I've always been. Always been. And um, I actually started, you know, designing products for her ready for fun because I... Uh, ideas sort of never never stop flowing into my head of what one mm -hmm. can do with you know various mediums and um she then offered me offered me employment and I ended up staying with that company for about 20 years and you know sort of went through everything from sort of product 
develop product research, product development, design, prototyping, you know, getting product ready for production. You know, I did marketing, I did merchandising, mm-hmm. I did ordering of product, developing relationships. And now I turned around around about age 50 and thought, okay, well, you know what? I need to do something for myself. I mean, entrepreneurship has been a part of my family's journey. Yes. quite a few entrepreneurs in my family so it was it was always there but that was I mean I had young children and you know you need a lot of a lot of time energy and effort to put into an entrepreneurial journey and when I got to a point where you know that job no longer offered me any anything that I really wanted anymore um, I got an incredible experience from it and I grew myself you know in so many ways and my children were of an age where they didn't they didn't need me in, in, in quite the same way as small children do. I then decided, okay, this is it. I'm flying solo. So <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, almost sort of blindly, I I just quit. Uh, I said, okay, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it now, and and that's what I. And did. how did you feel that that at that time when you made this decision? So happy. I mean, I was scared. I was really, <laughs> I was really scared. But I also decided mm-hmm. that you've got to face fear with courage and do what you got to do because time goes by and, you know, you're not getting any younger and just got to try. And I also brought with me, you know, so much knowledge of product design and development and all the merchandising and business relationships mm-hmm. and all that. And so I sort of thought, well, I'm, I'm ready for it. And in many ways, yes. I was ready for it, but the entrepreneurship journey is also quite a lonely one. You suddenly find yourself sort of having to make all the decisions, do all the thinking, do do everything. <laughs> and it, it's it's quite hard, you know. It's quite hard to sort of keep on top of everything and in the beginning sort of do everything as well. But looking back, would I do what I did? Absolutely. Challenges and all, downfalls and all, COVID and all, absolutely. And I just see the last couple of years as a steep learning curve. I mean, I didn't really go in with a very specific business plan because I, I always knew that the vision I had of Walk the Talk Africa was much greater than me. Eventually, I, I, I will need a team team to work within and an environment that supports growth so you know the COVID pandemic definitely threw a whole spanner in the works and you know even if I had planned I really wouldn't have planned for that unless no one could have planned no no, exactly so you know I I've just come to learn that you've got to you've got to stand up and you've got to show up and walk your talk every day in a small way or in a big way, face what comes at you, face the challenges, recognize your accomplishments, and just keep walking until you reach that point, that that so-called tipping point, because one will reach that tipping point at some point. I'm very fortunate to have survived this, to have used the time to really learn new skills and know my product so, you know, what is my plan going forward? Well, you know, I can't really say, you know, much. Be- <laughs> 
intrigued because you said that you had experience in product development, in marketing, but mm -hmm. you didn't mention that you have uh, experience in sales and sales is a big part of, of the job of a, of an entrepreneur. So yeah. how did it happen? How, when you sell your business, how did you sell your products? That's uh, that's a lot of work. Well, my very first selling platforms were um, um, local markets, like, you know, established local markets and pop-up markets. As a producer, you have direct access to the comments of your clients, what they're looking for, what they like, what they don't like. It's very, very valuable. And I always invite honest communication. Somebody would come up to my stand and they go, oh, I love your slippers, and then they try them on. And then if that didn't translate into a sale, I would try and invite sort of conversation that would inform me um, why they weren't buying. Was it something to do with fit? Was it that particular person liked an open toe rather than a closed toe? That person wanted a, loved the shoes but needed a backing. Another person wanted couldn't walk without heels. And so I'd always ask people, like, please tell me what you're really thinking. You know, don't worry, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, I want to know because I want mm -hmm. to grow. And so that's where I started selling Walk the Talk Africa shoes and slippers. Once I got a sort of a, you know, a better idea of what people were, what people were buying, what patterns were preferred, do you, you know, is the sort of general trend more towards, um, you know, pretty flowers or bright colors mm -hmm. or monochrome or geometric or whatever, I then would sort of know what to produce so that when I did sell into shops, I wanted those slippers to sell. I, I was better informed once I started to, to approach shops. So I did approach shops and I sold quite successfully in 2018 and 2019 into boutique stores, hotel lobby shops, oh. lodges, safari lodges. I even, I was lucky to export to the UK, to the USA, to Denmark and to Spain. You know, selling I, I find quite easy. I'll go to a centre or a, or, a, or a shopping district or shopping centre. I'll walk that area absolutely flat looking at every single store before I approach anyone. And then I'll sit back, have a cup of coffee and decide, okay, what is the store I want to be in? What is the best store? What is the best fit? And then I'll approach mm. I will walk in and, you know, I, I obviously don't expect to get an appointment straight away, but I'll just briefly introduce myself. I'll have a pair or two of my slippers, shoes to show the owner or the, the buyer. And then hopefully that follows up with an appointment, which you know, then you start developing the relationship. I love face-to-face -face selling. Um, mm. I love the interaction. I love getting to know my clients, what they like, what they don't like. Um, the, you know, the store, how it feels, what, what best suits that store, what colors, what, what's the vibe, what's the energy there. And so then I, I'm able to match up my choice of fabrics to that store. Um, mm -hmm. And... Of course, Instagram is also, Instagram and Facebook are, you know, fantastic platforms as well. And you've got a far reach. Um, so, yes, I do gain clients through through Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, so the marketing is it's varied. I also, you know, I use email um, 
which I, funny enough, don't find that successful, it's interestingly enough. Um, I think people are just flooded with emails. And sometimes I don't think they even look necessarily, you know, or have the time to right. respond. So I generally mm. don't, I, I like that. I like that face to face. I like going into the shop. So you must have been quite miserable during the lockdowns. No, well, no. I, I, I actually, I, I was, at first, I was relieved that the world had stopped. <laughs> I thought, yeah, oh, well, wow. yes. That's because truly, yes. It, you know, we were we were actually spiraling a little bit out of control. You know, mm-hmm. the pace of life was so fast. It was, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, back at that at that stage, I think we were all sort of kind of sitting back and kind of relaxing in our homes and thinking, okay, well, this will be over in a week or two, and great to have a little, you know, a little a little rest along the way. Yeah. But when it became apparent that actually it was, you know, it was far more serious than you know, what we had imagined, I then really just thought, well, you know, the best way of using the time is to upskill myself, is to learn new skills, is yes. to sit at my sewing machine, is to cut those patterns, is to make patterns, tweak patterns, work with my lasts, um, which is which is what I did. And I, I actually really loved it because there was no pressure to do mm-hmm. anything else because we weren't allowed to step out of our homes except for emergency purposes and food shopping so actually it was incredibly amazing and the world was quiet and I actually loved the fact that nature actually had a chance to regenerate and you know we had these beautiful <laughs> images of you know yes. of penguin you know penguin yes. colonies walking down main roads and mm. you know and and you know reports from India that that the sky was blue. I just thought it was amazing. I just thought, okay, well, it's yeah. incredible. And no, look, at look. I mean, I'm glorifying it in a little way because it's past. It, it was hard. And of course, it was challenging. You know, I earned no income, which was really very challenging. But fortunately, I have a husband who is able to support me. I mean, I say that with a great amount of hesitancy because I have always been independent. But that in itself was a journey in itself to to learn just to accept what is and what I, I can't change and to, you know, accept his incredible kindness in really not making a big fuss of anything and happily providing me with, with everything I needed. And I, th- I think come out the other end sort of stronger for, you know, rising up to the challenge for using the time to upskill myself to really perfect my sewing and my cutting and play with patterns and all those things which I probably would never have had time for or imagined that I would have had the time for. So that was very valuable. I'm glad that we are where we're at with COVID and I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but it does feel better that the world, world is opening up. People are venturing out the vaccination program is is working mm-hmm. quite well and you know there is sort of a growing kind of pathway towards life getting back to normal hotels are opening up spas are opening up so in that way my market is also slowly but tentatively starting to open and that is also a relief you know before we talk about what's Next, I believe that you have the time to think about how you would define success for your business for Walk the Talk Africa. How would you define success? 
Well, success would be, um, let me just think a moment. Success would be, it would be to walk forward now and see a sort of upward trend in growth, uh, which would translate into more employment opportunities. Um, and you can't really think of, of success beyond that because, in a sense, it's almost like, you know, starting over. I've obviously been in contact with all the hotels and spas that had bought from me before with the exports that mm-hmm. I've done. Um, but to once again sort of venture into those shopping spaces, into the centres and the shopping districts and work my way into a number of stores and in that way I keep a couple of people busy by giving them the opportunity to cut and sew and actually make the shoes mm-hmm. and aside from that I mean, success is also about learning learning all these lessons consolidating everything that I've learned everything that I thought that would happen that didn't happen everything that did happen that I didn't think would happen and simply growing you growing organically day by day making a difference showing up making sales and yeah you know realizing the dream of potential that is contained in my brand walk the talk africa uh, it's hard it's hard after this covid experience to sort of dream too far into the future so i'm day tomorrow next week next month sort of more or less towards the end of the year i do um want to definitely go online which i i'm gone online in well not in part i'm selling unique pairs of shoes online is very challenging in that I've got that one piece. You might make that one piece up into a size six and the person who loves them wants them as a size eight. And you don't have you don't have other pieces. So I'm going to early next year, well during the sort of December break, which is probably about two weeks between Christmas and New Year, I'm going to work at developing our own printing process, probably most likely um, silk screening. I'll cut lino cuts, you know, sort of inspired by by Africa, shapes of Africa, textures of Africa. Right. Um, and love, I love indigo. Indigo is one of my mm-hmm. favorite, favorite, most beautiful colors. It does definitely touch some, on some ancient roots here, I think worldwide really. And, you know, explore that and from there create more of a standard range that is unique and beautiful and speaks its own story but can reproduce. So um, success going forward would definitely be to get online. I have a lot of inquiries about online. and, and I, I do, Starting from me. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I do, I do sell through Instagram, but it's a lengthy process. And people will approach me and they'll say, where can I buy your slippers? And I'll say, well, look, you know, this DM process, I'm sorry, it is a long process, but tell me your size, tell me what you like, tell me the colors you like, tell me what style you want, close shoe, open shoe, whatever. I'll send you photographs of fabric. It's a long and lengthy process. And people really have to want them to go through that process. And many, many people do. I lose as many 
through it just being too complicated. And that's where beautiful, unique uh, range that can be reproduced that I can put online is definitely part of uh, sort of another layer of a, a success story that I, I definitely must, I must go there. You know, also part of success is it's just daring to dream. It's leaping out of your comfort zone and you're trying may get you there, but you may also fail. But in that failure, you you learn the lesson that, that will take you to the place where you need to be. So, you know, in many ways, it's, it's also about trusting process and recognizing opportunity. I think success is also about recognizing opportunity as it presents yourself, as it presents itself to you in your business. Um, mm-hmm. And being sort of mindfully adaptable um, to tweak your products so that you meet different needs. You know, many, many people have also approached me uh, special feet. They've got very sensitive feet. They need shoes with no seams. They um, Others have got feet that have been misshapen by using pointy shoes for most of their young lives and now they can't find shoes that fit. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of need out there in that area. So it could be another, I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say that's in sort of a, I'd say it's a more medium term thought that you would like to venture into, into custom made shoes for people who cannot find shoes because there are a lot of people who can't find shoes. Then, of course, look, Let's, you know, let's not beat around, around the bush. I mean, success is money in the bank. Eh? I mean. <laughs> yes. Yes. As well. Yeah. yeah. Having a business that is sustainable starts with financial sustainability. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You've got to get that cash flow happening and work well with your money. And you think in part, you know, when people have asked me, you know, what's your business plan? It's like. Well, you know, I don't have a long-term business plan, but basically it's sell and collect the money. Sell and collect the money. Yes. Sell and collect the money. I mean, that is, it's a good start, you know. And from there, once you have established yourself that you are able to plan growth um, in a more structured way, well, then that's that's fantastic, you know. You're able to say, okay, well, I'll open up a, sh- a small shop or, uh, you know, what, I, I don't know. I've just never really been able to to kind of plan when and how, how the process is going to unfold because in some ways it really is a guessing game in some ways. I mean, of course, you've got a broad idea in your head where you want to go, where you want to take it. But in terms of planning, okay, this month, next month, next year, the following year, 10 years' time, actually, who knows, really? I mean, we, we don't really know, you know. So... I just think, yeah, success is about um, working towards your dream step by step every day, doing something that's going to that's going to realize that vision, you know. Daniela, I want to be very respectful of your time, and we've been talking for almost an hour now. Um, any last thoughts? Anything you want to share with people? Any advice or anything special? A message? Um, I'd say that 
Um, well, I've got a beautiful quote that that sits on my wall that always reminds me. Um, I'm just going to reach for it, reach for, for this space. So there's this beautiful quote. It's by Steve Jobs. And it says, the heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. Less sure about everything. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. And I often look at that and, you know, it, it's a constant reminder to walk your talk. Don't you dream. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So people can find your product on uh, com or on Instagram, Africa, and also on Facebook, Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am completely set up for export, which is also uh, great. And um, I, I strive to produce and, you know, send out really beautiful, high-quality shoes that are made to last, shoes that are made with mindfulness, unique shoes, something different, you know. Made for the heart and, and the soul. And yeah. all for the love of Africa. That is. Yeah. Yes. That is. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Daniela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you too so much for following me and being interested in my brand and really taking notice of, you know, what I'm about and, Yeah. And reaching out and offering me this amazing opportunity to uh, to have a podcast with you. It's been truly enjoyable. And I thank you too for your time. Yeah. And um, I'm jealous that you're sitting in Paris because I've never been there. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous that you grew up in South Africa. <laughs> I mean, you can come to Paris anytime, but I cannot go back and have your childhood. Yeah. Every time I talk to someone who grew up in South Africa, Africa, it's about the childhood and nature and everything. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> it is. It was, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful childhood. And, you know, really yeah. pure, pure delight. I mean, incredible, magnificent sunsets and thunderstorms and just incredible wild spaces and simplicity. It was really stunning, I must say. And yeah. Africa is truly is a beautiful place. But, you know, there's so many beautiful places on earth. But Africa has... I don't know, there's a heartbeat that's, I don't know, the heartbeat of Africa is just something, something unique, but, but as is all places, you know. Thank you so much for listening. Did you like this episode? If you've enjoyed listening to Better Business Founder, why don't you share this podcast with a friend that could also benefit from these conversations? You can also subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and leave a review to help other people find these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. Hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. And I would love to hear from you because I believe that your business is the catalyst to create the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm.